Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the Sexy Lifestyle is all about. Dave and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We, sh- we sure are. And you know we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality and, of course, sexual pleasure. And we are so excited to bring you a new series of episodes dedicated to sexual wellness and healthy aging. Yeah, we love diving deep into the details, asking the important questions that we all want to know about. And we understand the importance of credible information. So on this new sexual wellness series, which airs on the last Friday of each month, we're getting together with the experts and the specialist doctors in person to bring you the answers directly and let them bust a couple of myths while we're at it. And as always, we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because great sex matters and we all deserve it. Absolutely. So ladies, are you feeling tired, bloated, and far from sexy? Perhaps you're experiencing hot flashes, mood swings, weight gain, insomnia. If your age is hovering around 50, you must be starting menopause. And oh boy, have we gone through that, haven't we, hun? Yeah, Mm -hmm. we're going to be hearing all about that soon. But on today's show, we're going to find out more about how hormones work and what to do when your hormone levels are changing. Whether you're approaching menopause or fully into it, there's no reason why women should suffer with menopausal symptoms that can easily be reversed with simple and effective treatment plans. And we're not going to talk about the uh, suffering the men go through as well, right? Well, we will be talking about that too, because that's very important for the relationship. But, but, but really, it's about the women. But we're, we're going to get into that later. But first, we want to take a moment to talk about our top waterproof blanket, because great sex is messy sex, but nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does. You know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we are so excited to welcome today's special guest. Dr. Gabrielle Landry from Elna Sexual Wellness Center offers her patients more than 10 years of experience in the field of hormone therapy, medical aesthetics, and sexual health. I'm glad you said that because those are big (laughs) words. And I recently became a patient of Dr. Landry when I came to get some help with my menopausal symptoms and that I've been experiencing for the past eight or nine years. Really? That's all? It seems like much longer Mm -hmm. than that. And with this new series, we're going to follow my experiences with hormone replacement therapy and learn all about various new protocols that can be used to slow down the aging process and help women keep a vibrant sex life as they age. Absolutely. So, Dr. Landry, who's sitting right here in front of us, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day. We know you've been running around and to be with us on our show today. Thank you. Nice for having me. (laughs) Thank you for having me. So, why don't you take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself and why you decided to specialize in the field of sexual wellness and healthy aging. Hmm. Yes, I started off like 10 years ago, mostly in an STD clinic here in Montreal. So, I was actually one of the young doctors and women doctors working with HIV patients. So, mostly with men and aging men and aging women also that didn't really feel felt like really taken care of at this clinic. So, I really wasn't too like dermatological vulvar problem really like problem with the skin down there and I was actually looking for um, helping them help women help men Uh, but also there was a big population of transgender people there so I was the only one doing hormones and then I started balancing hormones with transgender care and transgender patients and more and more like it became more I think uh, related to what I was I was living personally also as my hormonal imbalances and everything so it just came to me naturally to really focus 
little bit more, I would say, on premenopause, menopause, and transgender. So that's my kind of... Wow, that's hope. awesome. But before we get into the details of my menopause and why I came to see you in the first place, let's just start from the beginning and let's learn a little bit about, even if it's a biology lesson, a little bit more about what hormones do and how they work. So explain to us what are hormones and what do they do? So you know as women cycle all their life, so it can be problems at the beginning when they're really like young and they, they have like hormonal imbalances or PCOS, there are different problems you can have as women, but as you age, then you have like cycles, problems, reproduction, everything, like our hormones control all our life for a long time. So that's why it's something that really mattered to me to kind of really know what hormones would do what in women and to really know uh, even in premenopause and even in earlier stages ages to know how to balance them and to understand all the symptoms related to different hormones. So definitely we have estrogen, so probably uh, women's no estrogen, men's no estrogen also, and sometimes, so there can be so um, more more of the time, there's uh, also like progesterone. That's another hormone that's present in the woman's body, and also testosterone and DHA. So there's many hormones living in the woman's body all her life, and it fluctuates a lot. So that's why when you know which hormones does what in terms of symptoms, um, when it comes to premenopause, it's kind of easier to explain it uh, when you have like anovulatory cycles, when you have more estrogen, less progesterone, and then you feel like like more irritability, like more mood swings more uh, restlessness, I would say fibrility, because you have more estrogen, less progesterone, and then you feel a bit like out of balance. So it's just to understand which hormones does what in a woman's body. So first of all, estrogen, where is it produced and, and what does it do for women? So most of the quantity of estrogen is produced by the ovaries. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes there can be aromatization in the tissues, in the, in the fat cells, uh, but all our lives is mostly the ovaries who produce estrogen. Okay, and then the progesterone? Same thing. So by the corpus luteum, so after ovulation, there's a hype of progesterone. This was mostly at the second uh, part of the cycle, so after ovulation. That's uh, where we have the, the higher levels. So the egg itself at that point produces the progesterone. Yeah. And if it gets fertilized, then it creates then the, the lining of the uterus so it can live as a baby and grow as a baby. I got <laughs> exactly. you. Okay. Now, testosterone is something that we always talk about for men, but women also have testosterone, right? We do. And it's, uh, it's something that, you know, we don't talk a lot. Um, a lot of women, when they are premenopausal, have like levels, I would say around two or three of testosterone. And compared to men that in their normal life, they have around maybe 30, 20, 30. So it's always a tenth of what men have. And it's funny to, we always think of a testosterone like the, the libido hormones, but women, we have libido and mostly we have libido in ovulatory uh, period. So that's why we know kind of estrogen makes the same for us that it does to men because it's what gives us our drive. So that's why we don't need higher levels of testosterone to necessarily have like big libido or anything. But yes, we kind of uh, don't assess testosterone testosterone enough in women, I think. And what does testosterone do for women then? Well, it's good for her bone health, it's good for her general health in general, <laughs> in general health. So it's good for bone health, it's good for cardiovascular disease. So there's many things that testosterone help in women, but it's mostly more our feminine hormone, I would mm -hmm. say, estrogen and progesterone that really have the more benefits because they are really at higher levels in our blood. But testosterone is still a good hormone. Right. And, and libido is influenced, like definitely influenced by that also. Now, we're going to be talking with one of your co-workers, uh, Dr. Steinberg, on, on the next episode. But in men, testosterone reduces as they age, probably from their 30s, it starts going lower and lower. Does that happen in women too? Do they lose that testosterone even though they have such a small amount? Yeah, so they do lose it. Um, it's progressive, it's not as, so I was, if we talk about uh, testosterone specifically, we don't feel it as much because we're so like um, in the abundance of our ho home hormones, but definitely if we, if I say premenopausal or in, in our active life, reproductive life, we have around two to three, like I would say in the levels. Then after menopause, sometimes I see a lot of women like 
0.5 and less. So it is really, really lower, but sometimes they don't really recognize it because they're so like thinking about their menopause and their ovaries and mostly they think about mo more about estrogen and progesterone at this yeah, point. because when you did my levels, I know they were close to zero and that's why you had to add testosterone into my mixture. Exactly, <laughs> I had to. We're talk more about that, <laughs> yes, afterwards. Yeah, you should see her evolving now. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> so just to be clear, what is a hormone? How does it actually work? What is it? How does it do changes in our body? Like, what is it? So it's it comes from um, cholesterol. So it's kind of based from what is produced by the body. So it's definitely something that the body produces. So it's the same thing I would talk about neurotransmitter. Like we talk about serotonin, dopamine. It all comes from uh, from lipids, more or less, from what we eat. So it's a body who creates that. Um, so yeah. And it's just a question of where it's produced. So there's also the adrenal glands that produce a little bit of hormones and cortisol and everything and a little bit of androgen also. So it's just, yeah, I couldn't tell you the molecular aspect no, of it. No, 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 <laughs> I know that. I get that. But there's different types of hormones. It's not just sex hormones, but there's also digestive hormones and functionary hormones and different types of hormones in our body. But we're going to be talking only about the sex hormones today <laughs> <laughs> and, and with our future discussions i'm i'm sure so so let's let's talk you okay. just that's a great segue yeah. into this so how how do hormones affect our sex drive yeah in in, in different ways so i would say in the reproductive cycle in women so definitely when we see when we see a peak in hormones so definitely that's where we feel the need it's i think it's something that just come uh, it's evolutionary so definitely we need that peak to have more uh desire to have an intercourse for reproductive purposes of the humanity but definitely it's something that's related so we see um different circadian circles also for the for men uh, mostly testosterone is kind of higher in the morning so definitely there's moment this period in the in the month and there's also moment in the day where it's really related to the libido but it's really different from men and women depending on which hormone we're talking about but it's really fluctuating i would say so you see babe it's not just me it's my body making hormones at a different time of day than you when you want to have sex and i'm not into it or i want to have sex and you're not into it so that's why i wake up every morning with an erection because that's when my testosterone levels are the highest well i don't know is that true <laughs> probably <laughs> we'll have to ask I dr steinberg that, that one i see the link <laughs> you know what i'm gonna start having like three or four naps a day oh i see <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i'm in trouble now so you know sometimes women are called hormonal when they're irritable or moody which i guess gives hormones a bad rap because it sounds like it's a bad thing happening in a woman but really our menstrual cycle and all those moodiness it's not bad but what causes that kind of fluctuation in our moods during the day and in our periods? So that's a really interesting question because there's, I see two kind of women. I see those women who are really young that have a problem, like they, so they don't get into premenopause. They just have more sensitivity to their own fluctuation. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of women with that. Like they have PMS since they have like 13 years old since they started having their period and then it's just they're more sensitive to their own fluctuation but they can also have a kind of hyper estrogenism so kind of lack of progesterone to kind of calm them down but in premenopause it's just there's a different pattern where you can have a deficiency of, of progesterone so the the cycles become anovulatory, so then you don't produce the progesterone. And then you really have, so you can have be hypersensitive to your lack, and your receptors can be like less or more sensitive to hormone, but also your levels can influence. So that's why it really depends on where we are in, in life. And that's really, that's why I really do long consultation to really know is that something that's new to you? Is you really premenopause? Is it like PMS? It's, so definitely they have a bad thing, but it's mostly more, I would say, sensitivity to the receptor or just hyper because progesterone is going to balance the so estrogen. If, so if the hormones throughout a woman's life were 100% properly balanced, they wouldn't have these mood swings? It's a pretty good question. I think that any... Even when, when I see my patient and I, they come to me and they have that since a long time, it's way harder, even with progesterone, it's way harder to balance them because they are hypersensitive. Mm -hmm. And I've had one doctor who's been doing hormonal therapy for a long time. She told me I've had patients, like few patients in life that we did not have the choice to do an hysterectomy and remove the ovaries because they're too sensitive to mm -hmm. their own fluctuation. So you, you cannot balance them. It's too intense. And most of the time we are able to do it. Sometimes it's supra-physiologic uh, 
dose of progesterone and there's some other things so we didn't talk about the traditional medicine but contraception pill uh, IUDs things like that that can help and we still treat premenopause with antidepressants so we have to talk about it but that's not personally my favorite way to go even if it's an option and we have to talk about and it. that's because of these mood swings that could cause depression as well as uh, anxiety and other issues, right? That's what you're saying. Exactly. Wow, interesting. I'm really glad you're getting gears balanced because <laughs> five, six, seven, eight years has been Honey, a little tough. Yes. come on. I always blamed it on the fact that you were a Gemini. Oh, really? Yeah. But it's, oh, it's okay. But now I'm learning from Gabrielle yes. that it's it's really an imbalance in your body. And, and she's doing a great job balancing. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. So talk to a little bit about how our hormones are during our cycle of the month. And then we'll talk about what happens when you are pregnant. Where, like, where do these levels of hormones change and which ones affect what? Well, so as we know, probably at the beginning, so the day one of the cycle is the first day you have your period. So then there's an increase, progressive increase of estradiol, which is going to peak. So that's the, um, we call it the follicular phases until the ovulation. So the fo follicular phase is, depending on the length of the cycle, can be longer, shorter. But the, um, the day you ovulate until the day uh, you have your next period, it's always 14 days. So that's called the luteal phase. So the um, so if we thought at day one, I know it's sometimes it's hard to understand the whole it's sometimes it's easier for your listeners if they want to take a <laughs> take a map and yeah. just check the cycles <laughs> because it's gonna kind of uh, estrogen is gonna increase until the of of lettery phase and then there's the peak of lh and there's the now there's uh the um, progesterone so after the ovulation so estrogen is really um progressively until the ovulation and then progesterone comes in and then when progesterone comes in and it's all in the luteal phase that usually we see the PMS. So that's why when we know there's an ovulatory cycle, then there's no progesterone. And that's why there's more estrogen than progesterone. Mm -hmm. And that's where we see the, the problems mm -hmm. coming. Right. And so when a, when a girl or a woman takes a, the pill, how does that affect those cycles? So it's a, and we call it anovulin in French, anovulatory, so yes, bird mm -hmm. control. Right. So that's why in it's not so it's not a balance, but it's mostly to anovulate. So it's reducing the fluctuation. I've seen a lot of women controlled by having uh, so taking in the, the pill. Is there progesterone or is there estrogen? So it's different because it's estrogen and a progestin, which is kind of synthetic hormones. Oh, synthetic. So okay. it's different. It's not made to to reproduce the effect or the benefits of the hormones in the body. It's mostly just to ovulate okay. to for fertility issues only so that's why it doesn't have the benefits but at some point it reduced the fluctuation because you don't ovulate anymore so you have like a stable levels mm -hmm. that kind of prevent to have any um, imbalances and so for some is that one treatment for some people who are yeah. super sensitive that's a treatment to oh yeah definitely for for PMS uh, and that's the main treatment for now me I'm doing bioidentical hormonal therapy but the, if you check SOGC like the gynecologic organization everywhere they always say you know first so it's been more studied you know mm. all the synthetic hormones yeah. uh, and all the birth control they have been a lot of studies and usually it helps uh, for a lot of women who have PMS really early in life endometriosis other problems like that so definitely it's a it's an option but as you get older then maybe you you can well not necessarily have as much response to the contraception pill so maybe you're like oh okay I used to help me with my PMS but now I'm 40 and doesn't help me much mm. um, and more you get older and if you have risk factor if you're smoking then it's not necessarily the safest way mm -hmm. to have hormones mm -hmm. so then you know anyway in two menopause you won't have a birth control yeah. so you better do the switch at some point when you think the the moment is right for you now some women can't take the pill because uh it doesn't agree with them like wh what are those symptoms like why does that happen so yeah so some patient they can't take it because they have contraindication because Hormone, like synthetic hormones have more contraindication than bioidentical, which are safer. So let's say someone who has migraine with HORA, so like neuro neurological symptoms that comes before the migraine. So there's many contraindications, I would say, to contraception pill. And some patients can also experience side effects. Mm -hmm. um, so if you would be a young girl and you have migraines and then you start the pill and you have more migraines, mm -hmm. then you have to pay attention. Right. Or if you have um, um, a lot, I would say a lot of patients, even if it helped them, it can reduce their libido mm -hmm. because it's increasing the ACE HBG which is the sex hormone binding globulin and that's reducing the testosterone oh. or the free testosterone oh, okay. so that what we see also so there can be few side effects most of the patient have not much side effects but right. you know some right. might looking for my care they yeah. have so I'm yeah. kind of BAs so just to be clear let's 
explain to us what happens during menopause. You talked about premenopause and some of the things that you see, but what is menopause with respect to those three hormones? Yeah. So I would say, so when you're having premenopause, you start having imbalances, anovulatory cycles, and then uh, you have more like an estrogen dominance. That's what I would say. So that's why we see more symptoms related to fibrility, irritability, mood swings, uh, insomnia, uh, water retention, fibromas, heavy menses, because... Estrogen is really like a proliferative hormones. I would say more um, increasing the thickness of the endometrium, increasing uh, pain in the breast also. Um, I would say nausea, everything that's more related to estrogen. And uh, progesterone is lacking. Progesterone is more anxiolytic, so (laughs) more like reducing anxiety, helping sleep. Um, So that's why we see all those symptoms pre-menopause. And then when we get into menopause, then the ovaries don't produce anymore. (laughs) So that's why then you need both hormones. So the, all those symptoms that you've seen in premenopause can be seen in menopause, but probably more because you lack both hormones. So just to be clear, when the ovaries stop working, we are producing uh, no more, no longer producing estrogen or no longer producing an egg. It's the egg that helps, right? At menopause? Yes. On premenopause? Well, not sure. More or less. <laughs> so with the ovary, does it stop producing estrogen eventually or does it continue to produce estrogen? So when you are, uh, it's still producing. In the premenopause period, they're still producing estrogen. Okay. It's just the progesterone that comes, that goes down because of anovulatory cycles. Okay. So you're kind of um, increasing the gonadotropin to make more, release more because you you know, it's LHFSH. It's a little bit more specific, but they're going to push the ovaries to produce. But then they won't have an ovulation. Ah, so push, gotcha. push, push, no ovulation. So then you have more estrogen. Until then, <laughs> they can't produce no more. So they're, right, they're kind okay. of senescent. Ah, okay, okay. And, but because there's no egg, then there's no progesterone being produced. Gotcha. Okay, no ovulation. All right. <clears throat> That's a lot. I know. It was a big biology lesson I've about... sitting here just I know, right? <laughs> Did you learn anything? A little bit. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm understanding why over the last 10 years you've gone through what you've gone through. And we're going to talk to Gabby a little bit later in the show about, you know, the, the, the some of the simple fixes that you've gone through. But I want to know something about some of the other hormones. There's like four feel-good hormones. And you mentioned uh, dopamine and serotonin. There's endorphins. What do those do in the body? And we know they're, they're good for, for sex. I mean, after you have an ejaculation, after you have an orgasm, there's lots of endorphins. I call them dolphins. Yeah, going we always talk your... about the endorphins because dolphins swim. <laughs> he always tells me he's feeling this. All the dolphins. The dolphins are feeling great right now. <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> so what's the question again? Yeah, <laughs> it was lost in the dolphins. Dopamine. Tell us about dopamine and serotonin and the endorphins. And... Okay, so what I could tell you is all hormones and those neurotransmitters are all linked. So that's why we see if you have less hormones, there's probably less serotonin and endorphin. There's different pathways showing it, but it all comes to cholesterol and what we produce as hormones. It's hard to know the exact link on how one linked to another, but definitely they all come to the base of the same kind of cholesterol base, and then you can influence uh, the hormones with the neurotransmitter. So that's why we know there's an influence, and fortunately uh, that makes that a lot of um, doctors, where there's a lot of study to premenopause and treating with uh, antidepressants. So mm-hmm. we know it's not treating the cause, but it's treating a symptom. And mm-hmm. we know there's an influence on, on the brain. So it would now, be. When it comes to dopamine, is that uh, affected by uh, any of the sex hormones? Is it affected by. Are we, I know it's the pleasure hormone, but is there something in menopause that causes less dopamine or more dopamine, or they're not connected? Well, I would have to say like I don't know exactly the pathway, but definitely that the lack of hormones gonna play on the function of our neurotransmitters. So that's why I would definitely have a link with that because they all come from the same and they all influence ourselves. So we know all is linked. How we're so as we age, brain. all these things slow down, and there's less and less in them as we age. Yeah, because there's also receptors, of hormonal receptors in the brain. So that's mostly how we kind of think about it in endocrinology. So I don't necessarily do like neurology and how the um, the receptors of the neurotransmitter work, but mostly how our brain reacts to our hormones. Mm-hmm. So there's receptor, hormonal receptor too in our brain. So, so you, might get, you might get less do- endorphins when uh, <laughs> when you're having sex when you get older. I don't think so. No? They're swimming around every okay, time we good, have good, good sex. Good, good. <clears throat> so the last one that we haven't spoken about is oxytocin. And this is supposed to be the love hormone, the cuddle hormone, which is, you know, 
makes love and sex and everything a little bit better. Where where does that come from? Do we lose it, or and how can we get more of it? Because we definitely it's produced by the pituitary gland. I'm pretty sure, so that's why it's coming yes. from there. So probably stimulated by the interaction of during sexual acts. So definitely with stimulation of the breast, and we know definitely that it's playing on the secretion. It's all secretion. So that's how I would say about oxytocin. But and is there a way to increase all these feel good type hormones? Do you actually do any hormone replacement therapy for these types? Hey, of I hormones? know the answer. I know the answer. What? If you work out, if you go to the gym, if you take care of yourself, if you eat well, all these hormones are going to do well. How did you know that, honey? I, I did a bit of reading before oh, this. Oh, my goodness. I did. Wow. But especially oxytocin, the more fit you are, the more you work out, the more you get your cardiovascular system working, the more you're going to have. So this is not something that you treat, obviously, with uh, hormones that you give. There's no hormone re- well, we replacement therapy. Well, we don't dose oxytocin. We know it's a good hormone, like feel-good hormones. That's what I have to say. But definitely, I think uh, it could be like um, like a secondary effect of balancing hormones and feeling good with yourself and like having good habits and training. So it's all part of like functional medicine, how you can like make someone feel better about itself, but not necessarily in dosing it, I would mm-hmm. say, or replacing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, cool. When, when we, not us, we're having children because we don't have children together, but with my ex and we were, and she was pregnant and it was getting close to her time to um, give birth, um, we had lots of sex because we were told that there's a lot of oxytocin in a male's ejaculation and it's supposed to help her go into labor. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. I'm talking for the guys here. You know, because okay. during nine months of pregnancy, the, you know, sex isn't always there. This was a good excuse oh, to so have you sex. F- oh, I see. Okay. Did she fall for it? She did. Okay, good. We had to find some good positions, and a little did, bit of doggy and cowgirl. did the baby cowgirl. come right after? They did. I have three beautiful kids. <laughs> they came eventually. <laughs> they <right>. did. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Your your ex didn't tell you that? Uh, no, we didn't have uh, we didn't have sex, especially to make the baby come. You didn't out. have sex while you're pregnant. Not to make the baby come. Did you have sex? Yes. While you're pregnant. Yes. Lots? Not lots. Eh. No, that didn't happen. All right, we're just gonna hang on for a minute after that nice discussion about sex, pregnancy, sex. Pregnancy, sex. <laughs> just hang on for a second. We we'll need to remind everybody that this is the sexy lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're chatting with hormone expert Dr. Gabrielle Landry from Elna's Sexual Wellness Center, all about sex hormones and, and of course, healthy aging. Stay with us after the break, and we'll get into menopause, more into menopause, and how to keep our sex drive as we age. Now let's just tell everybody about Topless Travel and the amazing trips that we have planned for next year. Absolutely, and you know that Topless Travel provides the sexiest and most erotic vacations ever, from Keto 2 in Jamaica to Desire in Cancun to all the Bliss Cruise experiences. Topless Travel is ours and needs to be your number one choice. And of course, their trips and events are all about the people and their sexy, fun experiences. So let's just shout out to those sexy host couples, including Jessica and Justin, and of course, Party Mark who are there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. And you've heard many times that we do go on many of the topless travel trips, but listen up, the next Bliss Cruise in November is sold out. So is the takeover of Desire Pearl in October. And if you don't want to miss the biggest lifestyle party on the high seas, then you need to get a cabin on the April Bliss Cruise. You can join us on the Celebrity Summit from April 17th to 22nd, 2023. We're going to be there broadcasting our podcast live from the ship. We'd love to meet you there. and Maybe you could be on our podcast. Yeah, that'd be fun. So for more information about this trip or any of the topless travel events, you can go to thesexylifestyle.com and click on the topless travel events link to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever 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 Alrighty, we're back this is the sexy lifestyle we are carol and david and now let's get into the details of what happens during menopause and how it can affect your sex drive your sex life your relationship and more importantly what we can do to work through the situation so um Men don't go crazy. <laughs> I don't know. If I shouldn't can, say men, but I don't partners. Know, I don't know if we can stop our partners from going crazy when we go through menopause because we don't really care. <laughs> it's I, all about I, I do have to say <laughs> one of the most important things that men or partners need to understand during menopause is to communicate, is to talk with their partner, tell them how they feel. 
because there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know that if we didn't have this great communication that we've built over the years being swingers, um, there's times where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm a punching bag, but I've, I've had enough. Yeah, right. I, I get that. I remember that. But one of the main goals that we're doing this whole series on sexual wellness and healthy aging is to normalize a conversation right. about, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling myself. Maybe I should get my hormones checked. I'm at that time of my life. I'm, this is my, I don't feel like having sex anymore. Honey, I don't know what to do about it. Let's go and see a doctor. Let's normalize that and discussion. We did, yeah. And we did. we did. So not just with Dr. Landry. We started with another doctor three years ago, but we have become a, a patient with Dr. Landry just recently. I mm-hmm. uh, have t- taken over my file, and we've done a lot of work together. So let's start talking about that. Thank what? you so much, Dr. Landry. <laughs> Everything has gotten so much better since we started seeing you. <laughs> so when I first came to you, and I, you, know, you had a huge list of things that you were asking me, about I guess it was all the different symptoms that you were asking me do I have do I have a lot of them I had already got under control but I still had a few symptoms that I hadn't yet so what was the first thing that was going through your mind when you you saw the situation that I was in well for me it was kind of obvious that <laughs> you were going to menopause so definitely different I have so many women's coming to see me so at different age they all have similar symptoms. Sometimes it's so intense that they want to dis- divorce, and you were not that like particular. <laughs> so I'm reassuring you that you were okay. Um, so yeah, so you you were not too much suffering. Well, I don't remember, but I didn't look too suffering. No, not so bad because we had resolved a few of the symptoms already over the last few years. So yes, yeah, right. we came at a good spot, but I still had some. And you had uh, a good lifestyle. Yes, yeah. But there was also a lot of understanding about how a woman woman's body changes because we have so many great experts on our show that we, we've had those discussions. We have learned before. a lot about it. Yes, we have. But but it's one thing learning and one thing experiencing. Mm. And I mean, you know, there was never things thrown in the house, but there was there were some mood swings and it was like, whoa, where did that come from? Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which, uh, of course, the, that's some of the symptoms. But let's just review again the most critical symptoms that people come to visit you with. Yeah. Mood swings, irritability, tiredness, fatigue, like really exhaustion. So a lot of people, they are like actually complaining of that. I would say sleep issues, sleep disturbances. It's something that I see really often. Um, more or less by night sweats. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was that was incredible. So at the beginning of the show, we talked about the uh, top waterproof blanket that we sell. And Carol had some nights where she had to sleep on that blanket because she was just soaking the bed. She was she was so sweaty. Yeah, wow. exactly. It's a warm blanket. It should not be super recovery. No, it was not. Even even if I had the sheets off, you know, even if I was just lying on the blanket so it wouldn't ruin the mattress. And then, I, because that's what happens, you, everything is wet when you have those night sweats. It's not comfortable and it's certainly not it's One not night easy. I went to snuggle her and I slid right off her body off the bed. <laughs> No, no, that was just a joke. <laughs> that was not true. <laughs> um, I, the only things I would uh, say about joint pain, like in muscle pain and morning stiffness, that's something that really a lot of oh. women, they talk about. And in premenopause also, and there's a lot of fibromyalgia diagnosed in premenopause and, and burnouts also. So there's mostly like fatigue, tired. And what about painful irritated. sex? Does that happen? Yeah, so mm-hmm. that can come. I would say it's more prevalent after menopause. Okay. Once the estrogen don't protect as much the vaginal mucosa, so that's where we see a little bit more later, I would say. With the dryness um, and all of those things that come after. Yeah. And, and the vulva itself and the, and the labia degenerate as well a little bit, right? It can, it yeah, can change happen. the anatomy a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Okay, you yeah. ladies missed one massive point which that happened, that? which was you lost your libido yes we were coming to it yeah (laughs) that for us was the major reason why i went to seek medical advice to me i didn't the mood swings i i don't know i didn't even notice i had mood swings i should have videotaped it (laughs) but for me i did have dryness but we use so much lube anyways that that wasn't what was bothering for me it was a fact well two things the libido was number one which i really needed to it was affecting our relationship i really needed to resolve that but two when it got really bad was the sleepless nights i went to sleep no problem and then i'd wake up and stare at the ceiling for two or three hours and not be able to get back to sleep that was the worst thing and i thought that's what was making me irritable the lack of sleep and the first day the very first day in the very first progesterone pill i took 
I slept the whole night for the first time in three years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was literally day and night. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear. Yeah. So, I mean, I did find some relief. But when I did come to you, I was still having night sweats. That was one of the things I was still having. And my sleep was, was fine. That wasn't my issue. The libido was libido there. was still low. And that's why we really had to check again on the levels. So tell me or explain what happens when I, I come to your office. You ask a lot of questions. What, what comes next with the treatment? So I would, so after like really, I would say like in general, my uh, blood labs are general for everybody. Sometimes I can add some things, but more or less, I'm going to check the estrogen, the progesterone, LH, FSH to see if you're in premenopause, menopause, where you are. Um, I would check the testosterone, DHEA. Um, so more like androgen hormones, which are sometimes neglected. Um, Prolactin, so there's different condition that can influence a little bit the uh, the, am- the amounts of hormones that we produce. We have to check um, thyroid. So we didn't talk about it, but yeah. thyroid is a, another big reason why you could be tired. You can right, have right. problem concentrating. We didn't talk about that, but um, concent- concentration, memory loss, everything that people can experience in menopause is kind of a big deal. And there's a lot of prevention. Uh, there's a lot of studies with bioidentical hormones and prevention of Alzheimer's. So it's, oh, it's really? super. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the main I would say it's cardiovascular vascular disease, osteoporosis, and um, dementia. But for the rest, yeah, so that's mostly it. And I also add the cortisol in the morning. So right. that's why I always ask my patient to do the blood test super early um, in the that's morning. That's a stress hormone, right? Yeah. And so what are you looking for with the, the levels. stress? The it's level? mostly just to see, like, are they, because sometimes when you're always in the chronic stress, uh, even the cortisol, so we always say cortisol is kind of good, but if you have too much because you have, like, acu- acute stress, but if you have too low because you're adrenal, you have adrenal fatigue because mm-hmm. they don't compensate anymore. Um, and the other thing is, is, is insulinemia. So check the insulin in the morning just to make sure that it's a good prevention for cardiovascular mm-hmm. uh, disease in general. So I would definitely do the, the blood lab, but also I would do a whole gynecological examination, make sure like there's not other issues. Like I would, I told you, told you in the beginning, I'm a lot into dermatological vulvar problems. Right. So that I see a lot of that in my, yeah. and prolapse and, um, and atrophy that we don't just see in the inside. I have a lot of patients having uh, pain outside and can be also vaginismus, like anticipation of the intercourse. So women, they don't even realize, but they're contracting mm-hmm. and it's creating a lot of pain. But also you can, even if people are treated with a cream, estrogen cream, they can still have uh, atrophy in the vagin in the entry. So that's something that really mm-hmm. needs to be assessed. Mm-hmm. So that's mostly I would see the big thing. Make sure they have the mammogram, make sure they have all their follow-ups before and after that I just go from there do a blood test and follow-ups regarding on their levels and now it, are you seeing a lot more patients coming to you that are open to discuss about their sex lives are they are they coming you to you because of their libido like I came to you or is it because of memory loss and the other things that you mentioned yeah, I would say different. So I have, like, as you know, I work in Elna Sexual Wellness. I also have my own center for hormonal therapy. So depending on who is coming to see me, sometimes it's different issues. So when I come here, it's mostly more for, like, vaginal atrophy, incontinence. So it's more for technologies to know about the diva, the laser, the, the PRP, the OSHAT, MCELA for incontinence. So that's why I mostly see women with specific problems, like atrophy, incontinence, and libido also. Um, with in my in my clinic, where I do mostly hormones, people are really looking for a bioidentical menopause and more like keywords yeah. to see me. And then it's more symptoms, like they want to kill somebody. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really that. You know that feeling. <laughs> so when it comes to um, hormone replacement therapy, which is what your expertise is and all about, um, for menopause, what exactly are you giving? So we so bioidentical hormonal therapy is really the same hormones that we produce. So we want to compound it or we want to use it as something labeled product that we can get in the pharmacy. So I always try to start with something that's uh, prescribed by the pharmacy, so we know what you what you have and what you you should get because it's not you know it's not a, a compound that's made by someone that you don't certainly know. So that's why most of the big academies and uh, obstetricians uh, societies want us to start first. So I would say estrogel, estrogel. So it's the it's a gel of estrogen, uh, bioidentical, so estradiol. 
oil that we apply topically and for the progesterone uh, it's micronized progesterone which is called Prometrium which is very known um, and it's by pill mm -hmm. so I would say that's the more common to so start that's where you start so that's where you started with me as well so I have the gel which I put on my inside of my arm or on my uh, my abdomen and then I also take the pill at night before sleep because it's the, there to help me sleep. And I usually take it with my omega-3 pill because I need a little bit of fat to help it to get absorbed correctly, right? Exactly. So that's what I've been doing and my treatment's been going well. <laughs> you do the right <laughs> thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and t David, tell me, um, how's the libido? Is it better? Getting better. Yeah? <laughs> but what I have noticed is after you gave Carol the testosterone cream, which she puts on her vulva, her clitoris and her labia are like ready to come out and play they are so <laughs> pronounced now is that something that's expected so I have to check her levels <laughs> 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 but I mean yes because you put it locally so it's have that plumpy effect a little bit yeah. I would say but if we get to higher levels when we don't necessarily want to get to like men's levels no. because I, as you you know I do transgender patients so as also well, I right. see that yes. there mm -hmm. can be a lot of clitoromegaly so yeah. it increases size of the clitoris um, but we usually, usually we don't get that with no, the testosterone yeah we're talking about puffiness no, it's and just puffy it, it looks like it's just aroused all the time and one thing that's definitely changed is her vaginal lubrication. Oh my gosh, is, she has a big bad. difference. She's always big, big wet. difference. And, and Carol, um, for years, has has been able to squirt, which is very different than the lubrication in her um, uh, vagina. Vagina, but now it's like it's it's always ready to go, which is very cool. Which turns me on. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Honey. It is. That's a that's good thing. Good. So did you, did you have atrophy? I don't remember. Did you have dryness? Uh, not I since know. I started the estrogen, no. Topical, but we didn't give nothing inside. No, right? nothing inside. Okay, yeah, okay, no. That's good. Yeah, so it's working very well. But we well. are going to do some shows during this series about the O-Shot and Dive yeah. Diva mm -hmm. and, and yes. see how that changes stuff. Because we started at a baseline of almost nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, we had a very active sex life. And as Carol went through menopause... Um, it declined. It declined, but we were still going out to these these parties and events where, um, you know, lifestyle people go. Never mind. Go okay. <laughs> Sorry. You can That's round okay. it off now. No, it's okay. <laughs> go on. So explain a little bit about the difference between bioidentical and synthetic hormones, just so we understand and where they where they land. Yes. Yeah, so, so when you want to patent a, a molecule, you have to do something different. You cannot patent something that's produced by the body. So that's why uh, pharmaceutical companies have more studies with synthetic hormones mm -hmm. because they produce, they get more money from it. So okay. that's a little bit something. So that's the the good, the bad, and the ugly with the Y study. The, the problem is that we have a great study, but that was using est estrogen and uh, progestin. So that was synthetic, and that w that w that's, that is why our, um, our all recommendations now comes from this study, and that showed after five years, you know, there was an increase in breast cancer, and so that all the scary things about hormones come from this study. Oh, because they were synthetic. Exactly. Right, and it was found that they do cause cancer. Because actually, they the body don't recognize it as our home hormones. Okay, yeah. So that's a different pattern yeah. that we see. And uh, yeah, so that there was different things in the study that was interesting. But uh, all the studies that we have that are not as uh, like control studies and the, as I would say the, the 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 best like with the study that's a huge study that's the best so far. That's why it drives all the recommendation. But um, all the studies we have before and we have a lot thousands of studies with yeah. bioidentical hormonal therapy yeah. and it's all super safe and preventative so that's why we kind of put it on the side just because of the why is the gold standard yeah but it still it drives all the, the the scary things about hormones and so that's very but sad. bioidentical is now coming more to the surface or are they still being diagnosed uh, di sorry are they still recommending the synthetic one as well I know you only use bioidentical but is this is the synthetic one still out there yeah because they yeah Yes, they're not necessarily dangerous, so we have to like put it in perspective. Um, it's just because there was the progestin after five years that increased a bit the risk of breast cancer, and there was a little bit more risk for blood clot with estrogen. Okay, so 
but it was preventative in many ways. So mm -hmm. if you tell me, do I prefer my women's and menopause to suffer and to, because it prevents also cardiovascular disease, there's a lot of benefits, okay. beneficial things about synthetic. I'm not saying they're a demon and no, anything no, okay. like that, okay. but um, but all the, the negative things we've seen with years, so that's why we still limit women to take not more than five years. We didn't have, we didn't see that with the bioidentical. So we, oh, okay. because we don't have as, okay. as a big study, we have a lot of studies but not as gold standard. So as time passes, there'll be longer and longer studies because really the bioidentical is, is being studied currently. They just have to wait for time. So it'll be it's after 10 years. It's going to be probably observational. observational. So the thing okay. is, that is that it's not going to be like um, randomized controls, like yeah, study, okay, the, the same thing that we right. had with the white study. But you study. still would recommend, for example, now that I'm on um, hormone replacement therapy, is this something that I'm going to stop doing at some point in my life? So How long should I be doing this for? The thing is, all the prevention we get with the hormones, when we stop them, we lose the prevention. But still now, the, the associations, the gynecological association, they don't recommend to use it as prevention. Okay. We treat it for uh, symptoms. big symptoms. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You have night sweats, then you can take it. But still then, they say five years. Oh, okay. So that's okay. why my goal is more to teach patients about the benefits other than just treating the symptoms. But they can decide because if they want to base their treatment on the recommendation that's made for the synthetic one and they want to stop after five years, I say, okay, no problem. You yeah. can stop, but you're going to lose your benefits right. and right. your prevention. So it's really up to them. But for me, if I have to say for myself, or my mother or my friends, I would take it all my life. Mm. Definitely, I would yeah. never stop. That's my decision. Right. Um, and I'm going to try to, I'm, I'm giving the more information to my patient I can so mm. they can take their own decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's hard because we, they're always facing a wall. They're yeah. going to their, like, neurologist. They have migraines. And they say, oh, you should not take hormones. Uh -huh. They're going to their, yeah. like, and everybody's, like, taking, thinking that they know about hormones, but nobody's a real specialist, mm -hmm. and they all have recommendation based on fear. Right. But right, it's very right, interesting right. because, again, when we talk to Dr. Steinberg about men and testosterone, um, you know, he's, he's treating me with testosterone, and it's, it's forever, right? I'm going to take that shot forever. Well, I don't know. To maintain, we have to talk to him and see if right, that makes but, sense. But to maintain that level... Um, well, nobody ever talks about the fact that men taking testosterone could cause cancer or... or we certainly are going to talk to Dr. Steinberg about the safety yeah. of keeping you on that for the rest of your life till the end of life. Yeah, you're very happy that I'm on it. Oh, of course I am. Yeah, no doubt. Bigger, stronger, better. Erection. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. absolutely. So that helps a lot. So do you think that um, we have found a solution to this low libido? I don't think we're there yet. You don't think so? I mean... You know, we've been together since we're both 40. Mm -hmm. And we've gone through this, this great journey of really uh, unbelievable sexual adventures and sexual vacations and, and all that stuff. So I know where we were at 40. And um, if I were to say where we are today, we're probably, you know, 40% of what we used to be. Um, a lot has to do with us aging and different things in our lives that's going on. But... Um, in the last six months since you started seeing Dr. Landry, um, there's definitely been an improvement over the last seven years. Okay. A big improvement. So, Dr. Landry, are you giving me levels of hormones that's going to take me back to the levels that I had at age 40? Is that kind of the goal? If you want it. No. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> no, the, the thing is really different because when we're cycling, it's fluctuating. So we have probably like a base that keeps us going. And then we have moments of hyperactivity of our libido. And then it's depending. So, and there's also women in premenopause that don't have necessarily more libido in the ovulation. So it's, you know, it's very like libido is so multifactorial. There's so many factors that influence it. But I would say that we have different levels that we kind of reach. And that's... Uh, more like in my field that I'm studying right now because usually when gynecologists they prescribe estrogel, prometrium, even if it's bioidentical, they don't do dose, dosing. Oh, okay. Nobody does. Uh, it's not recommended by the association. But, you know, what we've studied, we've been studying somewhere else uh, in the States. You know, there's different ways of doing things. And what I like about dosing is that not like if you really know what hormones is responsible for what you can. OK, maybe you need more of that. Maybe you need less of that. Or if it's if it's easy, if you're bleeding, I know you have too much estrogen, but not enough progesterone. But. Um, if you see someone who has symptoms and then she improves and then your levels goes 
towards the the right area right, where yeah. you want it to go yeah. then you know and then she gets worse and then the, the area she doesn't go, go the right so you know so it's, it's I, I think that's why also it takes a long time to find that right balance because you have to do it for two or three months then take another blood test study the levels and see and make your recommendations based on that so it is a time timely process and, and, it's and not it's, something that happens overnight and it's not an exact science I mean so oh, <laughs> so at some point I was taking like I think too much ex- estrogen or maybe not enough progesterone I'm not sure because you're telling me it's a balance right and and I got very sensitive breasts and I, I actually started breakthrough bleeding so how does that get controlled yeah so I would first uh, well I would say if I were not doing blood tests, I would tell you to stop your hormones and come back progressively to lower doses. I would that, that would be the general way to do. But for me, I would prefer to know. But well, I would tell you to stop definitely for three days. Do the same thing, but I'm going to dose you. I'm going to check what were your levels when you had that bleeding, and now it's going to help me to kind of reintroduce and to know exactly what to tell you exactly. Right. So that's okay. going to be easier. so. When you say dosing, means you're looking at each each. Um, a hormone individually to see how it's affecting you. Uh, are you getting the, levels. the right? Yeah, I mean more the levels. So uh, more so blood if tests. I didn't have, if I didn't have blood tests, and I would just do like gynecologist, our gynecologist do. Um, I would definitely just tell you to stop, and I would tell you reintegrate uh, both hormones at small levels and, and increase and gradually. Trying. And if it's reoccur, then we can try to updose the progesterone. Or, but the thing is, sometimes it's 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 hard because you still have symptoms. You don't have your estrogen, yeah. but so we have to updose the progesterone so you don't bleed. So it's just a question of really knowing ho- what hormones. It's, so it's you really hard. need a hormone specialist, and it, that's why just a general gynecologist yeah. can't really even help with the situation either the thing they could if if they were taking the time most of my patients that come to my office they're like you know i asked my my, my doctor to do some hormones he gave me a prescription so i can see you in two years yeah and i'm like okay yeah. so if you bleed if yeah. you like you're gonna feel they feel so insecure but mm. I, they're happy they have the prescri- prescription right. but they can do nothing right, about it right, don't right, feel right. secure well that's, that's what ha- that's what happened with that's what happened with my girlfriend where she went to see her doctor he didn't even want to do any blood tests. He just literally handed her the pills and, and the cream. and But she was too nervous I st- to take them. Like, how does he even know what her base level is without even looking at a blood test? Yeah, you know, we know in menopause, the base level is going to be at Low. the bottom. <laughs> so yeah. even if you have a little bit more, but it's true. I've seen some menopausal women take, having super good lifestyle, taking supplements because we know supplements, it helps. And they have like kind of not bad levels. So if you give that two pumps of estrogen, they're gonna bleed. Yeah. So it's, it's really too much, yeah. it helps. Yeah. And and even though I mean Carol's getting very close to being properly balanced with her hormones, but you know I mean you're you keep seeing her every three months, every six months. Is that because her body's continually changing and those balances might go out a little bit because things have changed in her body as she ages? Yeah, I would say like so. It takes. I would say it takes few months to balance. Like I said, she had good improvement, but then she started bleeding. <laughs> so now we have to reassess and know like, maybe she's like, so uh, for many reasons, like absorption, like some people um, at some point in the summer, they start having dinner later. And so because they're not two hours fasting from the progesterone, then they don't absorb as much. So as as long as you're really constant, and because when you're in your menopause, unless you would start taking supplements or any herbal that would naturally increase or isoflavone or anything like soy soy based, uh, you're not supposed to necessarily have a big uh, change in the hormones. But if you have, like for me, I just prefer to see patient more often. But if they're okay, I'm, I won't hear for them. Anyway, right, right. And I'm just going exactly. to back. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we, we continually on all our shows talk about the the effects that stress has on just people in general, on relationships, on kids, on sex lives, on orgasms, on everything. Does Do women who have a lot of stress in their lives, um, are their hormones affected by that type of living? Yes, definitely. So we know it's all connected, cortisol, hormones, the metabolites. So that's really like pushing a little bit the limits in like functional medicine, but definitely stress is the worst thing <laughs> we've seen. It really impacts all our organs. And yeah, you know what David always says, and he tell, reminds everybody when you're having a stressful day, sex, sorry, 
<laughs> stress. stress kills, but sex heals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he always Absolutely. says that. So let's go have sex. That's what. <laughs> let's go have sex. Let's just release all this. And, um, you know, we're getting to the end of the show and we're getting to, we'll, we'll let you finish with some final advice in a second. But um, just talk two minutes about the need for people to. Um, just eat properly and exercise regularly and how that helps maintain proper hormone levels. Yeah, so the the best example is the patient I see in my clinic. So I see patients overweight, I see patients overwork, um, and they're like burnout. And I know I'm gonna I'm gonna find probably hormonal imbalances but high cortisol and they're really stressed about where they're going through and they have worse symptoms. If I compare to my older women who's like running marathons and she's super thin and because we know like even cortisol and and um, the the fat cells they're kind of using this cortisol also so it's kind of metabolizing so there's really something bad about the fat cells how it does what it does to our hormones in general there's more ar- aromatase so aromatase which is aromatizing testosterone into estrogen so you can have hyperestrogenism with more fat so it's all like related it's obesity it's all lifestyle and i've seen it just because i see those women not just related to weight but related to habits that have like different symptoms and really different intensity of symptoms now there's a lot of women who say that menopause is natural why do we have to fight it like why bother what are the real benefits of not letting yourself get fully into menopause besides getting your libido up there So, yeah, uh, most women who say that because they don't have more symptoms. <laughs> so yeah, it's just maybe. about why should I take it in prevention? Um, so there are studies, but I would say uh, what I think is that evolution, it was so fast in the in the last century. So I think that now we use, like a hundred years ago, we used to live until like 60 years old. Yeah. And now with everything that's been going, medicine and everything, we live so much longer. I think the ovaries just didn't like, they didn't, they didn't follow. Right, they didn't follow. They yeah, don't have no need to have more babies after the age of 50, but mm-hmm. we're living with those symptoms a lot longer. Yes, and once we don't have our hormones, um, like we're not protected. It's super preventative. They're protected as vasodilators, anti-inflammatory. It's really good, the hormones for the body. So then when we l- we have no more hormones, like almost a day from another, it's not like men. Men is like progressive. Okay. Uh, like one person from the age of 30 until like later. Yeah. Uh, for women, it's really like, it's a lot of stress for the uh, the systems in general. Just, just to, to shut down yeah. quite quickly, even if it's over yeah. the span of one year going from being. I think it creates a lot of inflammation. Mm-hmm. I think chronic disease comes from that at a certain mm-hmm. point, so. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. And we, we always like to ask our experts, our professionals that we talk to about the need for people to continue a healthy sex life and how important great sex is not only to their relationship but for their body yes <laughs> definitely i agree um i don't have, i don't know what to say more than that yeah, yeah, i totally agree with you that's perfect well that's why it's important <laughs> to keep those hormones balanced so well the i know be- in place, because so. so many women after the age of 50 would just give up on sex they just say well i'm not feeling mm. it so therefore what i just don't do it that thing's over for me mm-hmm. like and that's the bad says, attitude society says as i get older it's okay not to have yeah sex it's, it's almost something sex. that's that it's common so it's a belief that actually as you get older you, you want you should have less sex but it's not really true because sex is also good for you mm. yeah yeah i think it's really something that's that's new also like we have this discussion like they didn't have that in the thousand years <laughs> thousand for sure not a <laughs> hundred years ago you right. know because now we live lo- longer and we we should be able to maintain a sex life definitely. yeah certainly a sex yeah. life after age 50 i mean 50 is young today healthy aging very <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so we're coming to the end of the show uh, why don't you tell us two of the top reasons why women should have her hormone levels checked and monitored by a specialist as she approaches the age of 50 and beyond? <laughs> um, the two best reasons. So there's multiple reasons. Have to choose two, I would say, for myself, <laughs> would be prevention. Uh, I know it's not generally accepted in the, all the big association because of the Y study, but still there's a lot of literature on this. So for me, I would say cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, dementia, and definitely for like, having a quality of life you know you just want to live your best life like you're having kids and then you give them all and then you work 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 and then 
you you, you stop working and then, and then you have fall menopause apart. yeah and your exactly. whole body falls so apart now you you're didn't right. have time to enjoy you just have like the teenage age <laughs> so that's kind of hard mm -hmm. so i think everybody should like live a long life happy and healthy mm -hmm. beautiful all right wow wow that show went that's very quickly an hour. yeah <laughs> all right, Dr. Gabrielle Landry, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all that great information. Why don't you take a second and tell people how they can reach out to you, find your website? Yeah, definitely. So my website is drgabriellandry.com. Um, so I have all hormonal uh, balancing. I have everything on there. You can see I do medical aesthetic also if you want to keep, uh, stay young from inside out. I'm <laughs> the best place to go. But also I work at Elna Sexual Wellness for uh, all our technologies here in sexual health. So you can uh, reach me at the clinic. <laughs> wow. And of course, if you missed any of this information, you just have to go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where all of our guests have their own guest page with all their information. You can even contact them directly from there. Absolutely. And like we did today, and I did today, we're learning more and more every week with all our expert guests. We hope you do too. If you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolindavid.com. Alrighty. The end of another great show with another amazing guest. Dr. Gabrielle Laundry, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks to you. <laughs> and especially to all our listeners for being there week in and week out. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life. And live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 